Um, thanks for coming. I, I do like to tell stories, um, but not to myself. So thank you for making it easier. <laughs> uh, I, I thought I would tell you a story that, that starts with what, in this context, is probably the most wonderful memory I have as far as a momentary memory. Uh, I was in the back of a taxi and I was driving up the Jaffa Road from the BBC World Service Studios in Jerusalem uh, to the old city. And I just, I just had this wonderful sense that God said, well done. And it was, it was so clear in a way I'd never felt before and really have never quite felt since because I'd come to the end of something that had taken me about a decade of my life. And, and I'd worked pretty hard at it, and it had been a significant step of faith to do it. And I just felt like the, like the Lord said, you did a good job. And that's a really, really special feeling, isn't it? You know? And, and I, I wanted to do these story evenings because I like to illustrate uh, the YWAM values. And when I say YWAM values, I, I'm always a little bit self-conscious about that because I, I don't think... YWAM is so special, and I don't want to really build up YWAM, but, but there are certain things that are about our DNA that makes us who we are, and, and all those things are really the, the word of the Lord to us. Yeah. So those, those uh, 18 values are just things that we know down through the years God has spoken to us that this is something we have to do or be. And really, tonight, tonight's story kind of illustrates the first five values, which is to know God and make him known and intercessory prayer and to be, to be visionary. So all those first five values, uh, doing new things in new ways, um, are kind of illustrated by this. So what I felt the Lord said well done about was a, a project that had begun, as I said, about 10 years before. Um, and, and it had culminated on that day. And we had about 800 people in Jerusalem and uh, they, were, they were the last group of what had been 2,500 people who had participated. And it was July 15th, 1999, about 5.30 in the evening. And we'd started with the word of the Lord to me in a swimming pool in Argentina in about 1990. Well, at least that's where it started with me. But it actually started... And another strand of it, I, I think it was three or four years earlier. And it's the most amazing thing. It, it illustrates so much of the ways of God. Because there was a guy that I got to know, but I, I had no idea who he was when this all started. Uh, he, he was the son of an alcoholic truck driver. And his father was, um, was not a good father. So he and his mother lived in a trailer house in the USA. Um, people would have looked at them and said, yeah, white trailer trash. Lived in the South in a trailer park. But his dad had, had this amazing mental capacity. He, he had an extraordinary memory and mental ability, but, but through alcoholism and wrong choices and all, it had it, it gone the wrong direction. This young guy, when he was just a teenager, 
was, was listening to Billy Graham on the radio and gave his life to Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? And he didn't know anybody, and he, that is, he didn't know any Christians or anything, and he was kind of a misfit at school. Um, but he would come home from school every afternoon, and, and he would watch the old 700 Club when they had quite a lot of teaching on it in the U.S., and he got discipled by the 700 Club. And, and there was another guy in that same area who, who was a converted alcoholic, and he still lived in cardboard boxes down by a river. And those two guys were in fellowship together. Now the first guy eventually became a concert pianist, a brilliant academic, just an amazing character, uh, and, and a man who gave his life to spreading the gospel. But in the early stages, the two of these guys would meet together, and, and because the guy who became my friend was so well-read and, and had such an amazing memory. Uh, he, he understood a lot about, about the Middle East and, and a real interest in it, probably through the 700 Club, which has always had a Middle East focus. And eventually, he, he learned Hebrew and he learned some Arabic and he learned, he, he learned uh, Turkish and he learned um, Kurdish. Uh, you know, he's got one of those brains. And then when he ran out of learning those languages, just to keep his, his brain from obsessing, he started learning Japanese, just to keep, the, <laughs> keep his brain busy, you know? <laughs> I wish I had a brain like that. I probably wouldn't be as happy as I am now, because <laughs> you know, happiness is largely ignorance, don't you think? <laughs> you don't know all the things that are wrong. <laughs> but at, at that point, the two of them were, were talking and praying together, and they said, wouldn't it be great if someone would do a, a prayer walk uh, and an apology walk down the roots of the Crusades? And eventually, they wrote to a guy that they knew about, and, and that guy wrote to a, a group that was leading March for Jesus. And I was part of that little group. There were three of us. Well, four of us with, with Graham Kendrick, who, who were leading March for Jesus. So let me pick up that story, and then you'll see how the two come together. You know, we, we were doing street outreach in London in the early 80s, and it was just tough. Uh, th there was very little response, and we were especially having trouble with the police. We, we, we had a, a pretty good location in a church in, in Earl's Court, and we were trying to do street outreach and all, and, and it wasn't going well. The police would arrest us as soon as we got more than about three people, uh, and they would, they would constantly move us on. And then one time when I was there, we were doing this outreach, and we were, we, you know, the police weren't anywhere in sight, so we quickly got a guitar out, and we started to, to do a little worship and a little preach. And, uh, and somebody, three floors up, opened the window and poured their dirty dishwash water, dishwashing water on our heads. And, and, and it, it was just one of those times where you just sensed we haven't had a breakthrough here. You know, this is tough. And so we, we went back to the church and we just prayed. And, and as we saw God, we felt like the Lord said, uh, declare my name. Walk up and down the streets and declare my name. Now, that, that meant marching down Warwick Road and up Earl's Court Road. Those, those are two major tributaries in, in West London. And you, you know, you... You can't do that. You can't block off those roads. 
But we thought, well, if God's saying it, we'll, we'll try to get permission to do that. And we contacted the police, and the police said yes. <laughs> it was amazing. So we did this Jesus march. And we just proclaimed, Jesus is Lord over Earl's Court. And uh, as, as we did that, uh, the atmosphere changed. And we did a little more of that uh, in our summer outreaches that summer. And we carried on doing some of that. And, and then Graham Kendrick, who is a worship leader, um, and, and a composer uh, was working with us some, and he said, did you know that Roger and Gerald are both doing the same things? And I said, no. And Roger's Roger Forster, who was um, doing some outreach in, in the Soho area, and Gerald Coates, uh, two, two guys who I've been friends with for many years, uh, w they were working out in, in southwest London. And it was Graham, I think, who said, maybe we should get together. And, and do something together. And so we all met together and we prayed about it and we thought the Lord was saying yes. So we'd, we felt like we should do a march in the city, that is in, in the square mile, you know, in, in the financial district. And on Saturdays, the, the financial district is pretty dead, you know, not many people. So we decided, let's try to get Smithfield Meat Market, which was still a meat market then, um, on Saturday. And, and see if we can't get a lot of people to come. We hoped for about 5,000 or so uh, to come. And, and we did a bunch of research. There's a guy named Pete Adams who's with us for many years and is still in Luton. And he's such a good academic. And, and he did a lot of research into London and the history of London and what were the important sites uh, spiritually, you know, like where John Wesley was filled with the Spirit, and then where there's still a temple to Mithras and all those sorts of things. And, and we were going to do a walk all around the city and go to those places and, and strengthen and reconfirm uh, the blessings that God had done on the city and also just stand against the things where the enemy had, had got in historically. It's kind of a new idea to do prayer, at least for us, to do prayer that way. But it seemed like God was really in it. So on, on the day, uh, we'd had a bad week. It had rained most of the week. It was... It was in May. So it's kind of, kind of like it's been this week until now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but the forecast, as we came towards this part of the week, the forecast was more rain, and they were right. So when we got up on the, on the Saturday morning, it was raining, and it was raining just steadily, pretty hard. I thought, oh, man, nobody's going to come. And you, you know how it is. You step out in faith on these things, and you, we, we'd hired a flatbed lorry and... and sound systems and all that. So we'd, we'd spent some money on it, and I thought, man, we're going to end up with it, being in debt with this. And, and we went down to Smithfield Meat Market, and when we got there, we got there early, it was full. And by the time everybody had arrived, we had 13,000 people on the day. Whoa. It was amazing. And it was, you know, everything about that day, except for the rain, was just so anointed. And actually the rain, I don't know, sometimes rain's a pain in the neck, and sometimes it seems like it's a blessing from God. A symbol of God's blessing. And that's the way it seemed that day. So we finished that, uh, that march and, and we gathered together in a restaurant afterwards and we said, wow, that was something. Shall we do it again? And, and the answer is, of course, yes. Uh, so, so we did it again. And the next year we, we hoped for about 30,000 and, and we, we, we marched in Westminster um, which was a bigger deal logistically, getting all the police permissions and everything. And, and instead of 30,000, we got 55,000. And, 
and, and we met together again, and, and we, we called it March for Jesus, and we carried on from 1987 until 2000, and, and at, at its height, we had 12 million people in, uh, I think, 177 nations around the world uh, walking through their towns, praying for their towns and cities, and just proclaiming the name of Jesus over them. Very simple. Built real unity. It was great. Well, once, once the momentum of something like that, get, that gets going, then lots of people say, oh, could we do this too? Could we do that too? Because it's, you know, you're getting the crowds. And, and we, we did diversify a bit, and it didn't go well. So we felt like the Lord is saying, look, I gave you a simple thing to do. Don't complicate it. And, and so we would meet together every month for a whole day and pray and plan and pray and plan. And, and we felt like the Lord said, don't complicate it. So one day, a letter came from a guy. And it was a guy that the two new converts had written to about this idea of a prayer walk. And he wrote to us and said, what about a prayer walk down the roots of the Crusades? We read it and said, nope, and set it aside because we were not diversifying, right? Stick with what God said. And I didn't think any more about it, honestly. Uh, I didn't know much about the Crusades. I had a big idea, but not much. And about three or four months later, I was at a gathering of YWAM leaders in Argentina. One of the things about this story that this point kind of illustrates is oftentimes when God speaks, he waits until the right people are together, the right time. And there's a real anointing on us for vision when, when YWAM leaders are together or when there's a big YWAM gathering. So if, if you get a chance, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're hanging around YWAM for a while, go to, go to the major events. You know, we've got one coming up, don't we? Uh, King's Lodge. Go, because oftentimes God chooses those times to speak to us. So I, I was actually um, trying to get a little exercise. You know, you know, you sit in these conferences and you eat three meals a day and you just... So I, instead of eating lunch, I went out and, and was doing, planning to do some laps in a swimming pool. But as I stepped down into the pool, I started thinking about this thing, this walk. And I started, I started getting excited about it. And I, and I stood there and I thought about it and I, I sort of daydreamed about it. And in a way... It was kind of like watching a video of it, and 10 years later, it had happened just like I saw. It was extraordinary. I've never had that kind of experience before. And as I stood there, uh, I didn't do my laps. Um, other people finished lunch and came into the swimming pool. We had a little break after lunch, and I just stood there. I was just lost in thought. And, and uh, th there were things like this going through my head. This would be fantastic. Who could do it? Not me. Not me. And then they start thinking, well, why would God be speaking to me if he didn't want me to do it? Uh, <laughs> ah, so I can tell somebody else to do it. Because, ah. <laughs> you know, God, God loves to tell us to do things that get us out of what we call our comfort zone, to get us to the point where we don't have the confidence that we know how to do this. But there's something quite ordinary about human nature that says no about that kind of experience. Um, to put it in, in biblical terms, there's something about an Abraham who says, no, I'd rather not leave the land of the Chaldeans than go where I don't know. But God says go. And he gets us out of where we settled 
and where we feel comfortable. And, and that's what was happening on the day. And I began to be deeply convinced this thing had to happen. And I thought, well, maybe I could get some other YWAM leader to do it. And I went and talked to different YWAM leaders, and I said, you know, we ought to do this, and I think, I think you could really make it happen. And they always said, no, I think you can do it. Okay, so I came back to the, came back to the Mars for Jesus guys, you know, Gerald and, and Roger and, and Graham and the guys who worked with us, Steve Clifford and Lawrence Singlehurst, and I, I said, um, guys, I really think we should do that. And, and they all said, oh, we think you should too. <laughs> you notice a little difference there? <laughs> From the plural to the singular? <laughs> we will back you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, and before long, I, I, I knew... I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know how to do it, but I knew that I had to take a lead in this. So what would you do? What would you do next? I'm supposed to do a walk down the Crusaders. Um, probably the first thing that you'd, you'd want to ask is, where's that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so where are we walking from, and where are we walking to? So. The first thing to do, really, is to find out more about the implications of that, isn't it? What does that mean? Uh, and so I started reading on the Crusades, and wow, I got the, the first book was, was a sort of a summary book by Anthony Bridge. It's a really good one, I think, just called The Crusades. And I opened the first chapter, and it, and it talked about the timing and the roots of the First Crusade. And it began with Pope Urban II, Calling, the church, calling European Christians to go to war in the Holy Land in November, I think it was 27th, 1095. Wow. What did that mean? See, this is about 1990. And I'm reading it. What would you conclude from that? Wow, I've got five years. Yeah, I've got five years to get ready. This thing needs to happen on the 900th anniversary of the events of the First Crusade. So you keep reading. Okay, when did they get where? And you find out that without going into all the details of how long they spent in each location, they ended up taking Jerusalem July 15th, 1099. So, five years to get ready, three and a half years to walk. Right? Yeah. Simple. <laughs> except, except the whole idea just had so many issues. You know, how do you get permission to walk through Turkey? You know, what are we going to do when we come to Lebanon? You know, the number one economic uh, activity in Lebanon is kidnapping, holding Westerners for ransom. Well, it was up until j just about that time. And, and then it did stop. So by the time we got to that, the, the kidnapping had stopped. But, you know, initially, when I, when I read about all, all that, and, and I thought about Lebanon, I thought about Syria and all, Syria was much more stable then. And I, I actually drew the route that we planned on going right around Lebanon. Because I didn't have the faith that we could do it. But as we learned... We started planning out what to do, and especially planning to start from Cologne, Germany, at Easter 
1996. But what about the 1095 thing? Well, that was just a one-off meeting that the Pope had in Clermont-Ferrand in France. So that's how we started, a one-off meeting in 1995, November 27th, with about 300 people. And then the following spring, Easter time, we got, we got to start from the cathedral in Cologne. It's the most amazing thing. Because Cologne Cathedral was started just before 1095. So we were there about 901 years after it was started. And the, and the lower uh, layers of foundation stones were already in place when the Crusaders started from there. And there we were at the same stones starting 900 years later to go with an apology. Amazing. And you know, when, when we gathered that morning, uh, sunrise, Easter Sunday morning, uh, we gathered this little plaza, the church was right there, and I looked down, and it was all concrete paving stones, and in that paving stone where I was standing was, was an inscription in English, and it said, this spot could be a spot of great historical significance. What a strange thing. Huh? <laughs> I th I, you know, as, we, as we set out into the unknown, as we set out on something, I don't know how it's going to work out. This is a wonderful confirmation <laughs> you know, that God is with us. Amen. Amen.